It's good to see you this morning. I'm glad you're here, and I'm really thankful uh, to be here. As I thought about preaching this morning, uh, I, I really thought about how thankful I am uh, for Ridgecrest. I, uh, as, as the introduction was very thorough, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I had some things to say about myself, but I can't, I can't repeat anything. Uh, but I'm glad, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very thankful for Ridgecrest. I have, uh, as, as you know, I have some personal history here. Uh, my high school graduation was here. My, uh, my wedding was here. My in-laws, the Beaucharts, are still obviously part of this church. Um, I, I think I owe Ridgecrest the most probably for my wife growing up here. Uh, she has great memories and, and uh, looks back at, uh, at her time here very fondly. Um, and, and also, uh, I think my grandfather, Chuck Flowers, uh, who was a pastor here, and, and even my dad, so that means my dad was, grew up here and was under uh, Pastor Hamilton. As we were just talking about Pastor Hamilton yesterday, just a very formative part of his life. Uh, and so Ridgecrest has, a, has, a, has had a lot of uh, impact on people who I dearly love and on myself. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for you and for your history and for your faithfulness to Jesus. Um, and the, the impact that you continue to have on, on the Greenville community, and I hope that will will go on for many, many uh, more years. I'm, I'm thankful to Matt for giving me the opportunity uh, to preach this morning, to preach to you, and, and I just thank you for, for listening. Uh, thank you for, for taking the time um, to, to come and to be a part of your church family and to hear God's word. Um, let's pray again as we get started, as we go to God's word. Father, we are here, uh, we are here for you. Uh, we, we want to hear from you, uh, Lord. It's, it's uh, no one here uh, wants to hear from me, maybe my family, uh, Lord. Uh, but <laughs> what does it matter, even them? What does it matter if they hear just from me if you don't speak? And so, Lord, would you come and would you speak through your word? Uh, would you open our eyes to see uh, the beauty of Christ and the glory of all that you've done for us? Uh, would you encourage us, Lord, those who came in here um, hurting, those who came in here brokenhearted, those who came in here um, uh, struggling, Lord, would you meet us? Would you meet us where we are? Uh, those who came in here just on a, just full of joy from the holiday, those who, uh, Lord, would you encourage us? Would you uh, spur us on to love and good deeds? Would you meet us all where we are, Lord? We all need you. Uh, and so please come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I'm in a, a book club, which is kind of nerdy, I'd realize. Um, but we, we've recently read a book called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom, which a lot of people have read in high school and stuff, but I never did, and so I just read it for the first time. And, uh, and it's a, man, it's a phenomenal book. I couldn't recommend it more. But the, uh, there, there's a, a part in there where, um, oh, well, I guess if you don't know about the book, uh, so Corey and Betsy Ten Boom, uh, and along with their father, are Dutch uh, clockmakers. They're in Holland. Uh, and they are famous for, heart, for uh, basically hiding Jews during the Nazi occupation of Holland in World War II. And, uh, and so that's, this is what the book's about, the hiding place where they hide, uh, they hide uh, Jewish people who the, the Nazis are trying to uh, capture and exterminate. And so uh, in the book, uh, they, they get captured. Corey and her sister Betsy, uh, they get captured. They go to... Uh, they go to jail, uh, and, and after a few months, they're moved to kind of a per- permanent, they're, they're more uh, permanent facility, which is a, a concentration camp called Ravensbrück uh, in Germany. 
And, uh, and they get there, and they get moved to a uh, kind of their, their barracks where they're going to stay. Uh, it's, she said it it's, uh, was designed to house about 400 women, uh, and there were 1,400 women in there. And they were all kind of on these like levels of pallet type bunks where they would sleep. And so, uh, so Corey and, and Betsy, her sister, they're climbing kind of up to their bunk where they're supposed to be, uh, where they're assigned to with, with you know, five or six other women. And they get up there, and they, they're kind of, you know, beginning to, to find their place. And all of a sudden, they stop, and Corey just goes, this place is infested with fleas. There's fleas everywhere, jumping on us, biting us. Ugh, right? And they, they just have this moment where they cry out to the Lord, and they just say, Lord, how can we handle this? What, what do we do? And uh, Betsy, Corey's sister, uh, says says, Corey, I, I think God's already told us what we need to do. Corey was like, what? And Betsy said, what, what did we read this morning in, in the Bible? They had this Bible miraculously. If you read the book, they, it, the guards never could, could, took the Bible, never found the Bible uh, from them. So they had a, a copy of God's word with them that they would read. And she said, what did we read this morning? And, and Corey opened up to, to 1 Thessalonians 5, where they had been reading, and she read a little bit. And she got to verse 16. It says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And, and Betsy said, I think that's what we need to do. Corey said, what? She said, I think we need to give thanks. I think that's how God wants us to handle this. And Corey was like, what are we supposed to give thanks for? <laughs> We're in a concentration camp being eaten by fleas, right? Uh, and, and Betsy goes, well, you know, we could, we could be thankful that we're together. We didn't get split up. Corey's like, yeah, you're so right. Lord, thank you that we're together. Betsy says, we can be thankful that we have the Bible. We have God's word. That's a miracle. And Corey goes, yes, thank you, Lord. I'm so, I'm so glad that we have your word. Thank you. And Betsy goes, and we can be thankful for the fleas. And, and Corey goes, and, and Betsy says, it says in all circumstances, this is a circumstance. Let's give thanks for it. Um, and Corey just said, I just couldn't help but think my sister was wrong in this case. <laughs> um, today we're talking about uh, thankfulness. We're talking about Thanksgiving. Uh, and I know you might say, Lawson, Thanksgiving was Thursday. You're just a little late. Uh, but, but I think it's okay to be thankful. We need to be thankful, I think, even after uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, we will be to, uh, this morning in Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17. If you want to turn there, it's, it's our anchor text. Um, but we will look at several other passages uh, this morning. So feel free to, if you want to, just stay in Colossians. Uh, I think that'll be on the screen as well. And just kind of listen to the others. Maybe jot them down if you want to look them up. Or feel free to, to flip with me as, as well to the other passages uh, as, as we go through them. Uh, we're going to see four things about thankfulness today. Look at four things. The importance of, th- of thankfulness. The root of thankfulness. The fruit of thankfulness. And the fuel of thankfulness. The importance the root, the fruit, and the fuel. First is importance, the importance of thankfulness. I, I don't know if I've ever heard a whole sermon on, on thankfulness. Uh, usually it's, it's a little bit, uh, you know, mentioned along with other things, which, it, which is good, it should be. Um, but I really want to bring it to the center for us today. Uh, I believe it, it's, it's more important than we generally think of it, I, I, I believe. Um, for instance, when, when Paul in Romans 1 uh, is describing how humanity has rebelled against God. Uh, he mentions thankfulness. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. 
uh, we can just read over these things. Uh, in Romans 1, 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. So when, when Paul is describing humanity's fall, right, how, uh, how we have been separated from God, he, he says they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. Okay? That they, they saw God, all that he is, all that he's done for us, and all that he'd given to them, and they weren't thankful. Okay? Paul says, you want to see rebellion? You want to see gross sin? You want to see the root of humanity's fall? Look at someone who's not grateful. Okay, this is the human problem. So, thankfulness, or lack, lack thereof, thanklessness, is central to the fall, to the fall of mankind. It's also central to the Christian life. Um, uh, let's look at our, our anchor passage together in, in Colossians 3, uh, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, notice there three times it mentions thankfulness, once in each verse. Okay, uh, it says be thankful in verse 15. Uh, it says with thank- do every- all of this with thankfulness in your hearts to God in 16. It says do everything giving thanks to God uh, through Jesus in verse 17. Um, it- he's describing the Christian life here and, and he's describing uh, p- putting off, right? And he talks about what-, what you should put off uh, earlier in chapter three and now he's describing what you should put on, what we put on in Christ, uh, what the Christian life looks like. Uh, and how the church should live. And he's talking about peace and unity and community and obedience, all these things that I wish we could get into, but you don't want me to because we'd be here a long, long time. Uh, but, but notice how all of this is couched in thankfulness. See that? The whole Christian life should be marinated in thankfulness, right? It should have a flavor of thankfulness. A couple other verses uh, in case... We aren't convinced yet. Uh, the, the first Thessalonians 5, the one that, that, uh, that Betsy Ten Boom remembered. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Ephesians 5.20, uh, Paul, it's actually a parallel passage to our, our uh, passage in, in Colossians. He's talking about being filled with the Spirit, and one of the things that we do when we're filled by the Spirit is giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, uh, 6 and 7. Uh, it says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. It probably shows the age of kids I have, but abounding makes me think of Tigger, right? You know Winnie the Pooh, Tigger? He's abound. He just at everything. He's an abounding personality. We, like, he's, he also jumps a lot, bounds. Uh, but maybe that's why. But it, man, abounding in Thanksgiving. That should be our our as Christians. We should. That should be us. We're abounding in Thanksgiving. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks always and for everything. Abound in thanksgiving, right? That's a lot of things about thankfulness. Okay, so can we agree that thankfulness is not a fringe issue, right? It, it's actually central. It's very important. Uh, it's, it's, it should mark our lives. It's one of the things that should mark our lives as Christians. All right, so that's the importance of thankfulness. Now let's look at the root of thankfulness, okay? Where does it, where does it come from? What's its source? Um, and, and I want to argue that thankfulness springs from God's work for us in Jesus. Here's what I mean. Notice in all three verses in Colossians 3, uh, 15, 16, and 17, there are three references to thankfulness, but there's also three references to the Lord Jesus. Four, depending on how you count. But, uh, so there, there's, I don't think that is a coincidence, that Jesus and thankfulness are so closely linked. In fact, in, earlier in Colossians, uh, Paul has explained to the church uh, just who Jesus is, what he has done. This has been the, really the first uh, leading up to this, these verses in Colossians. Look over, for instance, at chapter 1 in Colossians. Flip over a page or so. Um, and really the single best description, most thorough, I think, description of Jesus in the whole Bible, uh, verses 15 through 20, Paul tells us Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that, that all things were created through him and for him, that he holds everything together, that he's first, he's preeminent over all things. And let's pick up uh, in verse 19. For in him, that's, that's Christ Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. Okay, so... If the Lord Jesus, okay, the one who, who is holding Neptune in orbit currently, right, the one who's, who's holding the stars in place, the one who's, who is holding the molecules in your eyes together currently so you can see me right now, right, if, if this person, if he came to earth and became a human in order to die for you and for me, Okay? If we were, as the, the text says, and as every person is, alienated, like separated, cut off from God, doing evil deeds, rebels to the king, um, we were hostile to him. Uh, if that's true, and, and if by Jesus' bloody death on the cross, we have been reconciled to God, even though we did nothing to deserve it, We can have a relationship with him, okay? If at the very end, maybe the most amazing thing, the Lord Jesus himself will present us to the Father, before the Father, holy and blameless and above reproach at the end, then shouldn't we be thankful? This is, this is stupendous love, isn't it? Think, think of it. Think of your life. Think of how you... You aren't holy or blameless or above reproach. Uh, you didn't deserve the love of God. And then think of Jesus bleeding out for you on the cross and rising from the dead for your life. 
this is, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Right? God's love for his enemies. His plan to sacrifice himself so he can bring us home. And this is the root of thankfulness. This is where it comes from. It's where it has to come from. So, brother or sister in Christ, um, when we aren't thankful, we're just forgetting the fundamental reality of our lives, aren't we? Right? Uh, we, we, we are, thanklessness is illogical for a Christian. I love that about Christianity, that it doesn't ask you to put your mind in the corner. Actually, the answer is usually, no, no, just think about what's, what's true. Just remind yourself and have, a, have someone else remind you what's true. Right? Uh, thankfulness is the only right response to God's gospel. It's a natural fruit of grace um, that that comes to us. And and this gospel is always true. It's amazing. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. You remember on the cross, he yelled out, it is finished. And and it is. He he wasn't lying. Um, Nothing, you can change what God has done for us in Christ. Which means whether you're having the best day in the world, maybe you are, or, or whether you're having one of those life-shattering, tremendously difficult days, you still have reason to give thanks. Maybe you're in a season right now of great rejoicing and of, of great peace. Or maybe you're in a season of, of struggling deeply with sin or with heartache or with suffering. We, everyone goes through both. Maybe you're a mix of, like everyone, you're a mix of those. We can give thanks in everything because of the ever-true gospel of Jesus, which is the root of our thankfulness. Okay, we've seen that thankfulness is important, the importance of thankfulness. We've seen the root that it springs from God's work for us in Christ. So now I want to ask, what are some of the ways that thankfulness changes us? What's some of the fruit of thankfulness in our lives? This isn't all of them. This is just some of them. I have six. Six uh, ways that thankfulness changes us. Six fruits of thankfulness. Number one, uh, thankfulness destroys anxiety and brings peace. Okay? Uh, Philippians 4, verse 5 uh, says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, this is the classic passage on anxiety and prayer, right? You probably have this memorized. You should. If you don't, you memorize it. Uh, but, but right in the middle of it, it says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. As you pray, be thankful. Thankfulness, it doesn't thankfulness calm the heart. Haven't you experienced that? Ah, thankfulness, right? Uh, it, thankfulness, it just makes a way for God's peace to pour into our hearts through prayer. It destroys anxiety and brings peace. Second, second fruit of thankfulness. Thankfulness short circuits pride and self-righteousness. All right? Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul is battling boasting in the church, uh, pride in the church. And he says, what do you have that you did not receive? Right? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Pride and self-righteousness come from looking down on others, right? Lifting ourselves up, looking down on other people. But, but is that warranted? Can we actually do that as Christians? Paul says, no. No, because what do you have that wasn't God's gift to you? Nothing. Uh, I, went, I went to the Christian school 
uh, here in town. And I still remember what Coach Wambaker, uh, just a, man, I love Coach Wambaker, uh, what he would say every time you ask him what, he probably still does, I just haven't seen him in a while, uh, what, what he, he would say whenever uh, you ask how he was. He would always just, how, hey, Coach Wambaker, how are you? I'm better than I deserve. How are you? Right? I love that. What a great reminder uh, that is. I, I, it's a recognition, right? I deserved God's wrath, but in Christ, I have his love. So, man, I'm better than I deserve, no matter what's going on. Okay? I, t- I can't take credit for anything I have or am. I can never look down on anyone else as if I've made it in life because of my hard work or my brains or my ingenuity or my morality or my upbringing or my church. Like, nothing. I can't ever look down on anyone uh, because what do I have that I didn't receive? Where would I be without just the Lord giving to me graciously? What do you have that isn't a free gift from a generous God? Nothing. Nothing. It's all of grace. It's all of grace. It's a gift. It's all a gift to to receive with thankfulness. Number three, third fruit. Uh, Thankfulness fosters joy. It fosters joy. In In our passage, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What, what goes along with thankfulness in your hearts to God? Singing. You see that? Singing, making melody with, to the Lord with all your hearts, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Uh, we, we've probably all experienced being given a gift, right? A, a gift, maybe a surprise gift, an expensive gift, a gift we just did not expect, a special gift. What's our reaction? Happiness, joy, right? Uh, That's a heart lightness. We're ready to sing, right? This is what we experience. And all the more as we received, as we received the gift of God's grace for us in Christ and his love. Number four, fourth fruit. Thankfulness fosters holiness. Fosters holiness. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 4, uh, Paul is talking about how the gospel changes everything in our lives and even our speech Uh, Even our speech, he says, uh, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. He says it's out of place for a Christian uh, to to speak in a dirty way or crude way or a foolish or flippant way. Um, And and you would expect him to finish that statement with, uh, but but rather speak in a holy way, speak in an encouraging way, speak in an upbuilding way. That that might be what you expect, but that's not what he says. He says, let there be no filthiness, foolish talk, or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Interesting, right? Why does he say this? I think he says this because a thankful heart and filthy, foolish, crude talk don't go together. Right? How can you have a thankful heart and a crude mouth? You can't. All right, a, th- a thankful heart is the context where we'll find ourselves growing in holiness. Right? It's like the soil that holiness grows in. Right? And on the flip side, I find usually when I'm, uh, when I'm drifting far from the Lord, when I'm struggling with sin, thankfulness, a thankful heart is probably the first thing that goes. I find that in my life. Number five, thankfulness builds community. Thankfulness builds community. This might be the most surprising one. Um, notice the, the plurals in our passage. Okay? Uh, let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts. 
Uh, let, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Those, those aren't singular use, those are plural. He's talking to the church, right? Um, whatever you do, church, and, and word of you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So uh, he, he's, he's talking to the, to the church, to a group of believers. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, wrote this in his, uh, he's a German pastor uh, and, and theologian, kind of in the middle of the uh, 20th century. Uh, and he wrote this in his, just his great little book, Life Together. It's, it's sort of a long paragraph, but it, it's really worth it. Um, he says, in the Christian community, thankfulness is just what it is anywhere else in the Christian life. Only he who gives thanks for the little things receives the big things. We prevent God from giving us the great spiritual gifts he has in store for us because we do not give thanks for daily gifts. We think we dare not be satisfied with the small measure of spiritual knowledge, experience, and love that has been given to us and that we must constantly be looking forward eagerly for the highest good. Then we deplore the fact that we lack the deep certainty, the strong faith, and the rich experience that God has given to others. And we consider this lament to be pious. We pray for the big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, and yet not really so small gifts. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? Here's where, it gets, here's where the money is, okay? If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we have been placed, even where there is no great experience, no discoverable riches, but much weakness, small faith, and difficulty, if, on the contrary, we only keep complaining to God that everything is so paltry and petty, so far from what we expected, then we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow according to the measure and the riches which are there for us all in Jesus Christ. If it wasn't so long, I would read the whole thing again. Uh, It's so good. As we give thanks for the church we have, this one, right? Uh, This one, the friends we have, the the faith and experience and love that we have, however unexceptional they may be, that's the Lord's job. That's not our job. That is when God blesses our church and grows us together. Otherwise, we're like spoiled children, never satisfied, always asking for more. Thankfulness builds community. Number six, and last fruit of thankfulness that we'll talk about this morning. Uh, Thankfulness opens us up to God's perfecting work. This is maybe the hardest one. Uh, From what we've read, give thanks in everything. Uh, Give thanks in all circumstances. Um, as, As I've already mentioned, we give thanks even in the hard things. The difficult things. And that's the hardest time to, right? That's the hardest time to actually give thanks. Um, I want to read us two passages on this. One from James, one from Romans. Uh, But neither of these passages speak explicitly of thankfulness, uh, but they do of rejoicing, of having joy. And I think it's right to say that if you're rejoicing in something, you're thankful to God for it. Those are are closely connected. So uh, the first is is James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joy. All joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
And Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, here it is, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through his Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Both of these passages speak of God's purpose in the hard things in our lives, in the suffering. That God is shaping us, he's growing us, he's molding our character, he's teaching us to hope. I think of my grandmother, uh, who has lived with severe back pain for 25 years. Okay, severe uh, surgeries, you know, severe back pain for 25 years. And she's always happy to make you a sandwich. <laughs> what? Right? And she like laughs and, ha- you know, it's like, what? How is that possible? Well, I think part of it is by God's grace, she has a thankful heart. And, and her suffering has produced endurance and endurance character and character hope. A bitter heart in suffering, it shuts you off from the light. It's like closing the windows. It shuts you off from God's work. But, but a thankful heart, it opens the windows. It lets the light in. It gets us ready for God to grow us in the hard times. We've seen the importance. We've seen the root. We've seen six fruits. Uh, now we ask, what is the fuel? What is the fuel for thankfulness? Maybe you think, man, I'm not that thankful. (laughs) Maybe you're convicted of that. Um, How how can we become more thankful? Because we can't just make ourselves, I'm going to will it. Yeah, that works. How has that worked in your life? Um, What fuels thankfulness in our lives? Uh, If the root of thankfulness is God's work for us in Christ, what he's done for us, the gospel, uh, then it makes sense that in order to grow in thankfulness, we need to go back to that root over and over. Okay? It's the root... It's also the fuel. Okay, here's a way to think, here's a way to think about this. In life, uh, sometimes we, we experience this. I, I'm sure you've, uh, you've experienced this. Uh, we, we sometimes have the opportunity to do something really good and really kind for someone who doesn't deserve it. Right? We see a situation, like love is stirred. Yes, I'll help. Right? We give ourselves. We give our money. We give our time. We give something. Try to, try to help however we can. And oftentimes, uh, that person or those people uh, respond with ungratefulness. They're actually not thankful. Okay? And, and when that happens, it can just be infuriating, can't it? it can, like, it just make you go, man, I just want to write them off, right? Fine, live your life, right? I'll, I'll just go about my business. Sorry, sorry for intervening. Sorry for trying to help, right? This is what, what, this is what we can feel in our flesh, right? We want to wash our hands of the situation. And this, I want to suggest, is similar to our circumstance with God. He does everything for us, right? We come to him and we believe, we trust him, okay? And then we just stop sinning forever and we're perfectly thankful from that point on, right? No. No. 
we struggle, we fall, we run away, we do silly and harmful things. But, and isn't this amazing, he doesn't write us off. Doesn't he, shouldn't he just, okay, I tried. Right? He doesn't write us off. He sticks with us. He sticks with us. He comes to us in love. He doesn't write us off. Whether we're the prodigal son in the story, right, running as fast and far from God as we possibly can, or whether we're the older brother in the story who stays and tries to impress the father with his hard work and his performance, either way, the father doesn't write us off. He comes to us in love. He runs to meet the prodigal son. He comes out of the party to talk to the older son. He comes to us. Remember, he died for us while we were yet sinners. He knew every sin you would commit. And he didn't flinch to die for you before you were born. It's unbelievable. He loved his father, he loved you, and he went willingly to his execution. So Christian brother or sister, and maybe you, maybe you're sleeping right now, uh, but maybe these next three words are what you need to hear today. Christian brother or sister, Jesus loves you. We sing it to our kids, but do we believe it in our hearts? Jesus loves you now. Like not after you get your stuff together. Now. And when his love sinks in, Right, and we're, we're like flowers. We need daily gospel watering, right? We need these reminders. Uh, the, but the more it sinks down deep in your heart, I think the more thankful you'll be. The more that will change you, the more thankful you will be. So, so may the Holy Spirit pour out his love into our hearts this morning, right now. Would, he, would you know the love of the Father in Jesus Christ? There's another kind of person in here possibly. Um, maybe you realize you aren't thankful, uh, and, and that's because you aren't a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. Um, but maybe you realize, that, man, I, I've never honored God. I've never given thanks to him at all. And, and this gospel is good news for you. G- Jesus is inviting you right now. He's inviting you through my words, through, the, through his own words, to come to come to him. He will accept you as you are if only you'll admit you've been wrong and trust him. Right, you say, not me, Lawson. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You're right, I don't, right? Uh, but, but look around you. He accepted us and we kind of stink, right? If I can speak for you. I mean, I'll speak for myself. No, we kind of stink, don't we? Like, like, we struggle, and we're hypocritical in a lot of ways, and we have shady pasts, too, right? But he accepted us. He'll accept you, too. Come to him today. Don't wait. Don't wait. His arms are open to you. In the concentration camp uh, in Ravensbrück, Corey and, and Betsy Tinboom were really able to do a lot of great ministry, um, they, uh, one of the things that they were able to do 
in this, this barracks with 1,400 women is they would meet in the back kind of under this one light bulb that hung down and they would open their Bible and they would read to the women and they would pray together every night um, and, and just tons of women would gather around and you can imagine that would be I mean, maybe the only light these people had in that whole place, right? Uh, and they, they were able to just continue to do this night after night after night. And they, the, the guards never stopped them. They never knew why. Um, and, and they just figured God's protecting us and he's protecting this, this work that we're doing. Um, and, and so they, they, uh, they continued to do this ministry, continued to try to be faithful to the Lord there. Um, and toward the end of their time at, at Ravensbrück, Corey overheard two of the guards talking, and they were talking about uh, they were talking about their their barracks where where Corey and Betsy lived. And one of them mentioned the barracks, and the other guard said, "Oh, I never go in there. That place is infested with fleas." And in that moment, Corey realized the reason why they were able to do such great ministry in the concentration camp was because of the fleas that her sister Betsy gave thanks for when she did not know why they were there. God truly does work everything for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's close in prayer. If you want to talk to someone, uh, please feel free to come down uh, to the front here where I'll be down here and and, uh, counselors and pastors will be down here uh, who would love to talk with you and love to pray with you. Pray with me. Father, uh, thank you for uh, this time that we've had together. Thank you for, most of all, for your grace. Lord, we have not deserved your love. We have not deserved your kindness. uh, But you have just lavished us with good things, uh, with with life and health and family and gifts. Most of all, with your son, with forgiveness, with the hope of eternity with you. Lord, would you make us thankful? We can't do it. We can't will ourselves to do it. Would you, would you help us to go back over and over to your grace, to drink deeply from that water, to be refreshed at that well? Do in our hearts everything that, that you want to. You're kind, Lord, and you're good to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.